0: Good morning, Edinburgh Church. How are we? Good. Hey, it's good to be here with you. Um, way to go, everybody! Just making it to church uh, this morning. If you are guests, I want to give you a warm welcome, and just want to echo what Pastor Tyler said. If Especially if, if you're newer to Edinburgh, come out to this baptism service tonight. Get to know some people. It's a great community time. We eat, uh, we fellowship. Um, and then we get to witness what God is doing in, in 30 people's um, lives. And I would just challenge you. I think there might be even still some more of you out there who would like to take that next step in your Christian faith and get baptized. Just know, if, you, if that's you, show up. We'll provide a t-shirt for you and you can get baptized Uh, tonight as well, as long as you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And I I hope what you're hearing though, this isn't statistics, it's not about the numbers. Each one of these people, each one of you has a story, has a soul. And I just want you to hear this morning, God loves you. He knows your story and uh, he cares for you and so do we here at Edinburgh Church. Um, We are in a series right now called the brand new. You and uh, we are studying Romans 6 through 8 together. And uh, I'm excited because this morning we're going to be jumping into chapter 8. Chapter 8 of the book of Romans is considered by many the, the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. In fact, scholar Douglas Moo. Unfortunate last name, but Douglas Moo has said that the, the eight, chapter 8 of, of the book of Romans is the inner sanctuary of the cathedral of the Christian faith. Now that sounds like something a scholar would say, but here's what he means by that. It is the best of the best. And I agree. If I were on an island somewhere and I could only take one chapter with me from the Bible, I would take Romans chapter 8. And uh, this morning, we're going to just focus on the first verse of of chapter 8. I believe this verse has the uh, power to free us from so many of the burdens that we carry. Um, A couple years ago, uh, Amanda Miller, our worship pastor, and Caleb Williams, our worship associate, we we had a lunch appointment. We were going to go do lunch off-site and have a meeting and I thought I was doing the nice thing by inviting them, by, by offering to drive. Okay. Um, what I didn't realize was that I was exposing myself by allowing them to get into my car to humiliation and shame. Okay. Uh, I was having one of those bad car days. Okay. You know, you have a bad hair day where like, hair, your hair is out of whack. I was having like a bad car day where just, I had junk all over the car. There was trash all over the floorboards. My kids had been in the back seat wrecking it. They had like smeared some kind of chocolate something onto the doors. And Caleb and Amanda got into the car and just said, this is disgusting. Okay. Uh, to make matters worse, when we got out to the restaurant, they both had picked up handfuls of trash and, take it and, and took it to the, to the closest um, trash can, and I, I, you know, I'd like to think they were doing that to help me out. I think they were doing it because they didn't want to have to ride home in that, okay? Now, the only thing that made me feel a little better was that was nothing compared to how bad my wife's car is. See, my wife, she, she drives the kids around mostly, and, and her car, it was an absolute wreck. I mean, all kinds of animal cracker crumbs in every nook and cranny of this car. One of them had spilt milk, and you know what you know old milk begins to smell like. We would pick up some of their friends, and before their friends would get in the car, they would dust off the seat. One of them one time rolled down the window to get, they said, some fresh air. <laughs> This is how bad it was. And then we got Danielle's parents. We were taking them somewhere. They got in the car and they said, you need to get this car cleaned. They said, this car needs a deep clean. Now, before I could even finish the sentence, we can't afford that. They said, we will pay for it. (laughs) And so they did. They had our car taken into a shop where it was deep cleaned. It was supposed to take a day. It ended up taking two days. I don't want to know why. But here's the thing. If you were to see my wife's car today, you would never know it had been that dirty. I mean, when we got that car back, it looked like a brand new car. And I just wonder how many of us would like our lives to be like that, brand new, clean. No more stains on the door of our lives or sins that we've swept under the car mats, or or issues that have slipped into the crevices between the seats, but to have clean life so that nobody would know that your life had been dirty unless you were to tell them. Growing up, I grew up in a home where there were were some just issues. Okay, Uh, My sister had some behavioral problems, And so my family dealt with things like juvenile hall and mental facilities and suicide attempts. There was addiction. There were all kinds of issues. And by the time I was in high school, my parents had divorced and split up and gone their their own way. Um, I gave my life to Christ. And by the way, my sister, she has since given her life to Christ and turned her life around um, but I remember when I first became a Christian and I started making Christian friends and I even went to Christian school. I remember meeting these individuals whose family seemed like they were intact and it was all together. And I remember just n- not because of their fault, it was self inflicted, but just feeling a sense of embarrassment and a sense of shame because of my family situation. I I remember walking the hallways of my college where so many of my friends just seemed like they had their lives together and their families were together and I just remember thinking if they only knew what my situation was. And, and I have to think, there's maybe some of you here, even in this morning, who you feel like that. There's a sense of embarrassment. Maybe it's, it is the divorce, the fact maybe it's that financial struggle that you've had in your life, or it's that addiction that you're dealing with. I, I don't know what that might be, but my question for you this morning is, what is it that's causing you a little embarrassment these days? You know, what, what is that in, in your life? The, the reason this verse we're going to look at this morning is so important is because it can free us, and it has freed me from that sense of embarrassment and shame we carry because of whatever our situation is. But before we jump into Romans 8.1, I want us to back up and see what the Apostle Paul says just before this in chapter 7, verse 15, and maybe you missed last week where we talked a little more about this. But the Apostle Paul says this, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Now, this is pretty amazing. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the books in the New Testament. And even he is saying that he still, from time to time, did things that he hated and that he wished he didn't do. For me, this is reassuring. Because we all do things at times that we wished we didn't do. Even the Apostle Paul struggled with this. But my question is, how do we feel after we do those things we wished we wouldn't have done? After we do those things we hate? Usually, we end up hating ourselves as a result. We wake up with stained or bloodshot eyes, and, and we look at ourselves in the mirror, and we, we, we think to ourselves, I, I told myself I would never do that thing I just did. And what do we say? I hate you. I can't believe you did it again. I hate you. Or maybe it's that thing you said that you said you would never say, you lost your temper, it's a thing you looked at. Maybe it's just overeating, and what do we do? We beat ourselves up. We say, "God, I can't believe I did this again. And I, I, I'm so dumb, I'm stupid. I can't seem to do anything right. I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm lazy, and we hate on ourselves. Maybe the best word to describe this is the word shame. Shame." I give you a definition of shame. Shame is the deep sense that you are unacceptable because of something you did or was done to you. Now, guilt, by the way, is different from shame. See, guilt can be godly. There is a healthy form of guilt. Guilt can can lead you away from your sin and can draw you closer to God. But, But shame causes you to run from God and think that there's no hope. And so what's the point in trying? Guilt says I've done something wrong. Shame says I am wrong. Maybe another word we could use to describe this is condemnation. Condemnation is the punishment that comes from God for our sin, and we're going to talk more about that later on. But there's also a part of condemnation where we confess our sin to God, and yet we still feel a sense of shame in our lives. Notice what I said. I said we confessed that sin. That's important. You see, conviction is feeling guilty about a sin you have not confessed. And that can be good and that can be godly in your life. But condemnation is when you feel ashamed for a sin you have confessed to God. And this is why Romans 8.1 is so important for our lives. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.1, because I believe that if we would believe what this text is saying this morning, we could be free from that shame that so many of us walk around with. This is what it says, Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What this verse is actually teaching is that uh, God's acceptance of you, it's not based on what you have done wrong. Rather, it's based on what Christ has done right, if you have put your faith in in Christ. And and this is different, by the way, from every other uh, world religion, because every other world religion says there's something you need to do if you want God to accept you. There's some kind of religious act that you need to do, ritual. Uh, You you need to do some pilgrimage or or fast. There's something that you need to do, and then maybe, maybe God will accept you. The, The Christian faith says, no, it's not about doing to be accepted by God. It's about receiving what Christ has already done for you so that you can be accepted. And friends, this is a big difference. I believe if we would put our faith in, in Christ and believe this verse this morning, it could free us from that condemnation that so many of us know all too well. And as I look at this passage, there, there's kind of three things I see the Apostle Paul telling us. And the first is this. He tells, tells us that God's forgiveness, it's immediate. It's immediate. Look at what he says again. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't don't miss that. Now. As I've looked at this text over the years, I've often thought that feels even a little clunky and maybe a, a little grammatically awkward. At least it seems that way to me. And yet Paul puts this word in there now. Why? Because he wants you to know that God does not want to do something in your life tomorrow He wants to forgive you and do something in your life right now. You know, I remember just being a a young teenager. And this is even before I got caught up in so many addictions and other things. I remember I would steal things from stores. And I, I, I would steal, uh, I remember in w- one case, stealing these, these headphones, these, these Sony headphones, because I wanted to hook it up to my Walkman, <laughs> yes, Walkman, and listen to my tape of Snoop Dogg, okay? Even though I, I, I knew what I was doing uh, was wrong, and my parents didn't want me listening to, to, to Snoop Dogg. I I did it anyways. These days, you're more likely to find me taking my kids to watch Snoopy and eat a hot doggy dog, okay, than than listen to Snoop to the D-O-W-G, right? But here's what happened. As I continued living in this lifestyle of sin, I began to feel it mounting and 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 the addictions and 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 the things began to spiral out of control in my life till when I was 17 years old I remember going to my face on the floor and for the first time in my life actually really acknowledging before God that God I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness I'd never done that before I had always thought I'm actually a pretty good person at least I'm better than that other person but for the first time in my life, I, I realized, no, I needed God's forgiveness. And so I went to I don't remember exactly what I said. I didn't have it all figured out. My theology would have been absolutely terrible. I just knew that Jesus had died on the cross and that there was something to this Jesus so that I could have the forgiveness of sin and be in a relationship with God who could start helping me for the rest of my days. And so I'm sure my prayer was terrible. I'm sure it was pretty, pretty incorrect in a lot of ways. But I was just like, God, I need your help because of Jesus. And I will believe I went to my face a broken man, and I believe when I got up, I was a new creation because of Christ. Friends, that's why Romans 8.1, it, it's so important for us. Some of you, you, you need to learn to speak this verse. You need, you need to quote this verse you need to remind yourself, God doesn't want to do something in your life tomorrow. He wants to do something in your life today. He wants to bring freedom into your life right now. He wants to forgive you now. And when we confess our sin and we acknowledge that we are sinners and that we need what Jesus did applied to our life so that we can be a relationship with God, the Bible tells us we come into a right relationship with God right now. It's immediate in our lives. Second thing this passage tells us is that God's forgiveness is complete. Let's read it again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That means there's not still a little sin that God holds you accountable for. He's not still holding a grudge for part of your sin. No, no here means his forgiveness for you is complete. You have been forgiven in full. See here's what happens for many of us. We pray that prayer, and we acknowledge that we need God's forgiveness in our life, and so we know how good it feels when you start feeling those sins lifted off of you. And those sins start coming coming off, and you start feeling better. and you start handing them over to God. But then you get to that one sin. You get to that one thing and you say, there's no way God could forgive me for even that. And so you hold on to it. You put it back in your bag. And you continue wearing it for the rest of your life. For some of you, that's the divorce or it's the abortion or that sexual thing that happened. For Some of you, it's something so bad you wouldn't even want me to say it out loud. Friends, this is what I need you to hear this morning. Jesus did not live a perfect life. He did not let the flesh be ripped off his back by a whip. He did not let nails be driven through his hands and his feet and die a torturous death on a cross so you could carry around your sin with you for the rest of your life. He did that for you because he loves you. And so what he wants you to do is he wants you to open back up your heart to him to give him that sin and to let him forgive you for it. Now, does this mean that we can just continue living in sin then? If, if, if God forgives us and, and washes us clean and all that, can I just continue living sin? Friends, some people do that. We know that. Yeah. But I would argue anyone who has that kind of mindset, that kind of attitude, does not really love God. They might love the concept of God. They might love the idea of eternal life and heaven, they might even love this church and some of the messages they've heard, but they don't really love God if that's their attitude or at the very least, they don't understand God's love for them and the kind of relationship he wants to have. You know, my, my wife, she's one of the most gracious, forgiving people I, I know. It's never crossed my mind, you know, my wife's pretty gracious and forgiving. I, I could just have an affair and cheat on her. That, that, that's never crossed my mind because I love her. And I know her love for me. So friends, just because God forgives us, no, it doesn't mean we continue to live in sin, but it does mean... Every sin in our life is completely forgiven in Jesus Christ. Romans 8:1 tells us that. Third thing Romans 8:1 tells us is that God's forgiveness is conditional. So look at it again. Therefore, there is now, it's immediate, no condemnation. It's complete. For who? For those people who think they're pretty good people? For, for good Americans, law-abiding Americans? No, that's not what it says. It says, for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The Bible does teach that there is condemnation, that there is a punishment and a penalty for our sin. We have turned our back on God, the Bible says. Every one of us have sinned and gone our own way. We all have fallen short of living to God's righteous standard that he has for our life. And so because he's a holy, just God, there is a punishment for that. But that's why Christ came. So that when we put our faith in Christ, we can be saved from that penalty that punishment, and that condemnation. Let me illustrate it this way. Maybe this will be helpful for some of you. When I put on these glasses, everything I see is rose-colored, okay? I got these glasses. I put them on. I thought I might look a little bit like Bono. Did Anybody see that? I might even keep these when I'm done. Um, But you might tell me, hey, that person over there is wearing a blue shirt. I can't really tell because everything I see is rose-colored. What the Bible teaches is is that when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive from Christ a righteous, perfect standing before God so that how he looks at us is with this lens that sees the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ. And that's how he counts you. Theologians call this the imputation of righteousness. It means Christ's righteousness, the perfect life he lived, is credited to your account. So that when he sees you, he knows of your sin. But he doesn't count that towards you any longer. He counts the righteousness of Christ. He sees Christ's perfection on your life. Now, lovingly, I've, I've got to tell those of you who, who don't belong to Christ that, that there is a punishment for our sin. And, and that God does pay out a penalty, an eternal penalty on our lives, if we're outside of Christ. That's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus has a team and any one of us can belong to it. See if you recognize this person. His name is Glenn Gronkowski. okay? Not to be confused with star tight end for the New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski. You see, Glenn, he's on the practice squad, he's a fullback. But he has never stepped foot on the field in a real NFL game. In fact, when the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl this last year, uh, Glenn received over a $100,000 check for the New England Patriots victory. For the two playoff games before that, he received over sixty. I mean, he received over $160,000, and he never even stepped foot on the field, much less he got one of these. A Super Bowl ring, New England Patriots Super Bowl ring. Never stepped foot on on the field. Let me ask you this question. Let's just have a little fun. How many of you didn't throw a pass or make a tackle or run with the ball in the Super Bowl this last year? Yeah, yeah, right. Most of us, we were at home eating chips and guac, right? Do you realize if Glenn was sitting here, Glenn would have his hand raised? Yet Glenn received over $160,000. He received the ring. Why? Because he's on the team. Because he's on the team, he, is, he gets full access to the benefits of being on the New England Patriots. And in the same way, when we belong to Christ, we get all the benefits that come from God. Simply because we're on the team. How do you get on the team? You, you didn't get on the field. You didn't live the perfect life. Christ did. But he invites every one of you to be on the team based on what he has done for you, friends. There's two ways to be saved, and you can either try to be perfect. It means you never miss a church service. Means you're you you serve, you 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 give, you 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 never get lustful. You you never lose your temper. You never gossip. You you pray every day for world peace, and you take care of the home. I mean, you can try to do all of those things. Or you can simply put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive what Jesus has done for you. This morning, if you haven't done that, I want to give you the opportunity to to be able to do that and, and to have that condemnation taken off your life and to join the team. We're going to end this morning with a time of communion, which is very appropriate because it's a time for us to reflect on the fact that Jesus had to pay a price for us to join the team. His body had to be broken. His blood had to be shed and poured out. And he did that for us because he wants us to join the team. I heard a story recently of this mother who had a rebellious son who kept pushing her away. And in fact, one night he came home late, drunk, didn't say anything to her. He stumbles up the stairs and he passes out in his bed. The husband, the boy's dad, is walking down the hall and he sees his wife on her son's bed, gently stroking his hair. And the husband asks, His wife, why are you doing this? And she says, he he won't let me love him when he's awake. So I love him when he's asleep. Friends, I believe some of you, you've pushed God away. And what I want you to hear this morning is that God loves you. That he knows you and he's trying to draw you close to him this morning. Maybe it's time for some of you to to, to come back to God. God. And and to hand over those bricks and receive the forgiveness he wants for each and every one of us. And others of us, you've already made that decision in your life. But maybe you're still carrying around that burden. I'm just going to challenge you this morning. Would you just believe a little bit more than what you believed when you came in this morning? That Christ died for you and that he paid for that sin. So that you don't have to walk around with that shame any longer in your life. I'm going to ask the host team to get ready. And while they come down, I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you love sinners like us and that you make a place for us on the team. I know there are some of us here, we've been carrying around that burden, we've been carrying around that shame far too long. It's time to let it go this morning. It's what the gospel is all about. Jesus, you paid it all. Her sin is just a drop in the ocean of your forgiveness. This morning, Lord, we're going to believe that. and We're going to let it go and receive the forgiveness you want for our lives. And now there's others of us here, Lord, for the first time we need to make that decision. And so I just want to give us the opportunity to do that. If that's you, you don't have to have it all figured out you just pray a simple prayer. God hears and sees your heart. You just say to God, God, I need forgiveness for my sin. I want to be in a right relationship with you. Thank you for what Jesus did for me. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross and he rose from the dead so that I could have forgiveness and I could live the rest of my life in a relationship with you, Lord. May that be true of my life this day. May I now be a new creation. Pray this in your name.